Resiliency Within, with host Elaine miller Karras, is brought to you by Trauma Resource Institute, Incorporated. Visit TraumaResourceInstitute.com. Welcome to Resiliency Within, featuring your host, Elaine miller Karras. In unprecedented times, our beliefs and well-being are put to the test. When we take the things we've learned in life and look at challenges in a whole new way, we learn to develop resiliency, which can then be used to promote healing and personal strength. Now, here is Elaine miller Karras. Welcome to Resiliency Within. I'm your host, Elaine miller Karras, and today's show is entitled Healing Embodied Trauma, the Trauma Resiliency Model. It is in honor of Mother's Day and Mental Health Awareness Month. My daughter, Jessica Karis Watterson, who is also a psychotherapist, is my guest today. I am overjoyed. Um, I, w- I am overjoyed that she's here with me. And I was so excited when she decided to become a psychotherapist. And we have now the shared interest of helping people with trauma. And we now work together. So we'll be sharing with you the trauma resiliency model, a therapeutic intervention to heal and repair the wake of traumatic experiences that can be used with children, with teens and adults. Um, I've been one of the key developers in the model. And what's going to happen today is we really wanted to highlight the model because of Mental Health Awareness Month. And I'm really dedicated to bring um, body-centered models to the masses. And this really was inspired um, by me and others when I realized that there were a lot of body-centered ther- therapeutics that people were offering around the world, but they were very expensive. So um, we wanted to bring something forward that was maybe didn't take so long to take the training and we still could develop proficiency. So then when Jessica and I were talking about it, we said, well, oh, Jessica, you can come on. You're a, you're a trauma resiliency model um, certified practitioner and you can interview me. So I wanted to say a little bit about this too, because um, about talk therapy versus um, body-centered therapy. You sometimes may hear the, the term, oh, it's a top-down approach or a bottom-up. So when we talk about top-down, we're talking about cognitive thinking models. So if something difficult has happened to you, you may um, uh, be asked by a therapist to tell them your um, your perceptions about maybe how you view yourself, and maybe you'll have perceptions that are distorted. So they may use thinking models to have you shift a perspective about what you think about yourself. That was what That's a talk therapy, talking about your experience. But bottom-up works with your biological reactions to the events and experiences of your life. And that's what Jesse and I are going to talk to you more about today. But I want to tell you a little bit more about her. Well, she specializes in the treatment of PTSD, anxiety, depression. She's been involved with the Trauma Resource Institute since 2007 when she accompanied me to Nairobi, Kenya, where I was speaking at a conference to end female genital mutilation. I think at that time, she was on the verge of maybe becoming a nurse. She didn't know, but I think maybe she'll share a little bit of, uh, with us why that experience shifted her. Um, her direction. But she is a certified CRIM teacher and a trainer and a consultant for CRIM and the trauma resiliency model. And during the show, we're going to call TRIM the trauma resiliency model because otherwise we're saying that big long word the whole time. So TRIM is what we'll be referring to. She currently has a telehealth practice. So she's seeing people virtually like many therapists are around the country. And she is a somatic therapist, meaning she integrates the mind, the body, and the spirit into her work. 
She has trained and facilitated in different settings around the U.S. She's done some things with me. We've always had such a, a wonderful time together bringing this work forward and also trying to do some fun things while we're visiting a new, a new city. But she's also had a really rich background. She worked in an inpatient forensic outpatient chronic pain um, uh, unit as well. And she was on, she was actually highlighted in the A&E's intervention show. And she was on that show a couple times when she was working with um, addiction and dependency. She has the, one of the dreams of my life, my four and a half year old granddaughter, Madison, that she hopes that she says she hopes to help and guide her towards her pa- passion in life as well. So Jessica, welcome. And as we begin, can you share with us just what's on your mind today as we start? That's the question I always, I always start with with my guests. Um, what's on my mind right now? Just that I'm happy to be here and I'm happy to share Trim with the world and what's in, what inspired you to create Trim and just how the Trauma Resource Institute has been so uh, wonderful at just, I think, um, community and also spreading healing throughout the world. So I really can't wait to talk more about that as well. Thank you, Jess. And, you know, we were talking a little bit about about this as we were getting started. And I have two children. I have a son who was born in 1979 and my daughter was born in 1983. I often think, oh, my goodness, how can I have children that are in their late 30s and early 40s when I'm only 40 myself? Of course, that's not true. <laughs> but I think one of the joys for me of being a parent is seeing how they grow and what they decide to be in this life. And as I think, as we know, and we're talking about Mother's Day, that not all of us had mothers that were nurturing. And not all of us were lucky enough um, to have experiences where we had unconditional positive regard. And I certainly have tried. We have her on the show. She can tell me whether I did it or not. But to give my children space to be able to um, create the lives that they wanted to, to create. And so that's what I certainly hope for my granddaughter. And what we're going to do about Mother's Day, this, the second part of the show, at the end, we'll talk a little bit about what our experiences have been as well, um, being it, during the pandemic. And Jessica and her family moved into our home. And we, we, we pretty much merged two families because of the intensity and you know, needing help. So um, we'll talk a little bit about that as you know, many places in the country are opening up. And we know that there's places in the world that are suffering greatly, like India and other parts of the world that may not have access to the vaccine yet. So we also want to appreciate and understand that that is um, a, a continued trauma that many people are experiencing. So we're going to segue now into getting started. And Jessica is going to start by asking, she's going to be interviewing me. So Jessica, what's your first question for me? Well, I have many questions for you today, and I'm sure the world would also like to hear what you have to say. So, okay, the first we'll see. One is, so let's let's start with the first one. Uh, what inspired you to create Trim? Well, um, in uh, 1994, I believe it was, I started working at what is now Arrowhead um, uh, Medical Regional Center in San Bernardino County. And I was working as a teacher of family medicine. And, you know, I've I've mentioned this in the show before that many people would come into the clinic and they would be complaining about headaches, stomach aches, all sorts of different complaints. And the doctors would do a thorough evaluation, but many times they couldn't find the reason. And often 
the reason why was often because their lives were just riddled with traumatic experiences, not only what was happening now, but what may have happened in their, in their past from the cumulative experiences of trauma. So I began at that time to um, have a wonderful um, chairman of our department, Dr. Emily um, Ebert, and she gave the social workers, I was the behavioral science faculty, um, funds to take continuing education credits. So I took everything I could to bring in more information that I could bring and impart to the residents about about trauma and also the physical aspects of trauma and how that was impacting their their patients. So as I began doing this, it just it turned out on light bulbs for me. And I went to as many things as I could. I heard Bessel van der Kolk, Peter Levine, Pat Ogden, Babette Rothschild, people at that time that were the leaders in the field. And I, I, I saw that the body-centered therapies were so important. And yet I was working in San Bernardino County. I knew lots of social workers that worked in the county. And you know, social workers that work in county systems sometimes do not make as much money as private practice therapists. But I noticed that many of the people that were um, taking some of the courses I was taking were all working with middle and upper middle class folks. Of course, they need therapy too. But that these kinds of therapies were almost pro- prohibitive for some, let's say, um, psychotherapists that working with people that were um, on the margins of society. And, and they were expensive. So I, I was thinking, how could a body-centered approach be brought to therapists that wouldn't be so pricey, so it would make them more accessible. And also, I had a lot of other ideas of what I wanted to integrate into um, a, a model of intervention. And I met a wonderful woman named Jeannie Everett. And Jeannie was a nurse and also um, a somatic psychotherapist. And she and I had many experiences together. We traveled to Thailand together. And she and I had this first ideas, oh, wouldn't it be interesting if we could do a short-term model that wouldn't take so long? And she was really interested in bringing this to nurses. And we had many common interests because we both had worked in, in, uh, in um, medical care. And we also had a biological basis of our background because we worked with doctors and nurses. So in any event, we got really fired up. And so she and I uh, collaborated in the beginning and we created um, the first derivation of the trauma resiliency model was called Trauma First Aid. And, you know, we worked together in the beginning and then she decided to do something differently. And then I went on with the Trauma Resource Institute. Another woman named uh, Lori Leach, who was a social worker and a psychologist, joined us for a while and she contributed greatly. So, I mean, it, when, when you create something, you don't do it in a vacuum or by yourself. I often say you stand on the shoulders of people that have come before you and people who are with you side by side to conceptualize ideas to help uh, the broadest amount of people possible. So I think that um, for me, the inspiration was how do you make things more accessible? You know, I was always drawn to social work because I wanted to work with uh, people who didn't have the access to the same kinds of services. So when I started learning about body-centered interventions, I said, wow, this is something so important for all of us to learn. And I think that's how both models started being developed, the community resiliency model that I've talked about on the show. We've had many people that are using it around the world. And that was the teaching of the natural leaders of communities. But then we wanted to create something that was for um, people in the mental health professions that they could use to also start reprocessing traumatic experiences. So that's kind of in, in, in the nutshell. Well, okay. I mean, that's, um, thank you. And I also think there's, there's something else I want to ask you that goes with this, um, that's continued. It's it, talking about being a woman and, um, and how we birth children. How was Trim birthed? 
And how, <laughs> how has a female and a feminist perspective influenced the creation of TRIM? Oh, my gosh, that is such a good question. Um, and I think that that is really important because, you know, I was I was doing some research the other day and I noticed that, you know, the, the there's a high percentages, like in the 70 percent uh, percentile of people who become therapists are primarily women. And and so, you know, I was also noticing that on one particular uh, conference series that I was asked, asked to speak at, the majority of the presenters were male. Now, I know, oh my goodness, I have so many wonderful male colleagues and I've learned from the male perspective and it certainly has been integrated into the work that I've done. But I do think that women bring something special into um into therapy, of course, there's so many of us, but also in terms of creating models, because I think that with the trauma resiliency model, I have had a feminist perspective. And that feminist perspective, you know, what does feminism mean? It means that we are looking at things through the eyes of being a woman. And certainly that colors the way that we look at relationships and the way that we look at um, nurturing our, our families and our relationship. There's been lots of research about the differences between male and female. And now we have this burgeoning area of people that don't identify as either they're non-binary. And I think that's important. And I, I'm really looking forward to what kinds of uh, modalities and ideas come forth from our from our uh, friends and colleagues that identify as as non-binary as well. But I think that this perspective has has um, been very important because I think the trauma resiliency model is a gentle approach, and people have said that to me. And I think that gentleness comes from the nature of I think how I am and how many people that I know are. And that doesn't mean that people that are uh, non-binary or male are not gentle, but I think that there's a gentleness approach that comes from my feminist perspective regarding this. And I really want to also let our viewers know that this is also being recorded live on Facebook. If you go to Resiliency Within, this is the first time that I'm going to be showing some slides as I talk about the trauma resiliency model, because I have a hunch, Jess, you're going to ask me about that next. I, I am. And I, well, can I just say one little thing too, um, is that I think there's one important piece from your background. Okay. That helped <laughs> influence, <laughs> which, which helped influence Trim. And does that, I, I, I think it's important to share too about when you were a Lamaze teacher, that gentleness yes. that you talk about is part of how you created this. So it is. Tell it us is. more about that. Well, okay, I will. I'll tell it now. So there's many foundations of what tr the trauma resiliency model is based upon. But in the when my son was born in 1979, I was so excited about giving birth. I had a very natural childbirth. It was painful as heck, but I had a way to move through the pain of it. Um, and it was... Um, I had skills, but I also had a really incredible partner and nurse that that guided me gently to pay attention to to what else was true in the room besides the pain I was experiencing inside of my body. But there's there was also a well-being and resiliency in my body that I also paid attention to. And in fact, my husband and I were playing backgammon in between the contractions. I, my husband always talks about that story because that wasn't quite our vision of what birth might be like. But I think what happened with that is I became so... Um, impassioned about childbirth. And I, I really lobbied to become a Lamaze childbirth educator. Educator, And at that time, they didn't let non-nurses in. And I lobbied and they let me in. And I took all the same classes as the nurses did. And there was a couple of us that were non-nurses that were in our training program. It was held at UCSF in San Francisco, University of California. It was a lot like getting a master's degree. But from that, I also became a doula.
And the doula is a person who attends to the, the childbearing family during childbirth. I mean, they also work with the family before and after the baby is born. But I learned that there could be a gentleness in how we talked, changing the tone of our voice, being present in a way that we held the pain with the person, but also held their well-being and reminded them that there was well-being amidst the, the very intense experience of birth. And there was an organicity in that, um, the, the experience of childbirth. And you know, not everything, and I don't want people to think, oh, you know, did you, are you saying only natural childbirth? Of course not. Many people that I worked with had experiences of, of having a cesarean. My daughter, Jessica, had a cesarean. But it was about helping the person through the experience of birth. And outcomes sometimes were not planned. And there were very sad and tragic outcomes. But being present with that, too, in terms of being a guide and holding the space for grief was also an important part of that. So thank you, Jessica, for reminding me of that, because you probably have heard that story so many times about how that did imbue my spirit. Yes. So would you like me to go forward a little bit about the trauma resiliency? Yes. Yeah. What What is TRIM? What is the trauma resiliency model? Tell us. Okay, so I want Who is to say, this beautiful little girl, too? <laughs> yes, I have to say that that was me when I was, I'm, I have a picture um, that I have on the Facebook Live, the picture of me as a little girl in El Salvador with a traditional um, uh, casa, dress of, of El Salvador. And I put that in my, I want to describe that to you, to our listeners, because I think our lived experience shapes us, sparks our creativity, is and is of the mind, body, and spirit. And so, when you know, when we, I, when I'm thinking about the trauma resiliency model, it always was also with the idea of what's helped navigate our life's journey. And many of us have had trauma, but we've also had other things that have happened to us. We've had experiences of well-being, and sometimes as a trauma therapist, I learned a lot of models that focused on the trauma, what is going on um, with you, tell me the story. But it almost focused on the trauma to the degree of shrouding some of the natural elements of well-being that also existed amongst the storm of what happened to us. So I think that with the trauma resiliency model, that the wellness skills and incorporating that, just like we incorporated skills in childbirth education became very important. So the trauma resiliency model has nine skills. It can be used with kids, with with um, teens, with adults, and also I've taken it across cultures. Um, even when someone can't read or write, they can learn skills and we can help reprocess the event. And I think that thing that makes it a little different from other models is that the wellness skills of the trauma resiliency model can be used for self-care for the therapist. Because as we know, um, many of you may know is um, that therapists also, they're hearing many stories. And so it's really important that they cultivate their well-being um, as well as helping the client. And so we also want to reprocess the traumatic experience. And people have said, what in the heck does that mean, reprocess? And from a body-centered approach, it means that what happens to us not only happens um, to our mind It happens, we have emotional expressions, we have thinking about it, but our body has a whole reaction to what happened to us. And so what we have learned through body-centered approaches, and there are many people that have been in the leaders of the field, like Peter Levine and Pat Ogden, is that we can reprocess them by working in the area of what we called implicit memory. That's body-centered memory that has a really precise memory of what has happened to us, even if we don't know 
cognitively what's happened to us. And this is important because, uh, for example, let's say if we were bitten by a dog when we were one year old, we don't have what's called explicit memory, factual memory of being bitten by that dog, but our body has a memory. So maybe as an older child or as an adult, uh, this happened to me with a friend, um, you see a dog and it can be a very small dog. And all of a sudden your whole nervous system starts, your heartbeat starts to beat quickly. You, you feel your, your hands becoming sweaty um, and you have a sense of fear. And here it's a little teeny dog. And why am I having this reaction? You don't know why, but your body knows why. So one of the exciting things about working with the trauma resiliency model is we do not have to know the story of what happened to you to work with the body's reactions to the things that have happened to you in your life. I've done whole sessions with people working with the most traumatic elements of their life with not knowing what happened to them because they may not know, but there are also experiences that some people have where they don't want to tell me the story, even though I will always say to them, I can hold whatever you want to tell me. But for example, I can think of working with a veteran who said, Elaine, I can't tell you the story because I don't know if you would like me if you knew what happened to me and what I did there. And because there's such shame that can go along with trauma. But when I could talk with this person and say, well, you know, if you want to ever tell me, you can tell me as little or as much as you'd like about the story, but I am here for you. And so sometimes it's only working with the body-centered aspect of it. And I think that's um, a very important element because, we, again, we may not know what happened to us, but yet we know something happened to us. So the goals of the trauma resiliency model is we give education. And we give education about the neuroscience uh, and biology of traumatic experiences. We, we are called a trauma-informed intervention because that's that trauma reprocessing of going back to that event and trying to renegotiate or uh, re-experience in the present moment what we would have wanted to do but couldn't. So, for example, I was in a car accident. I'll give you an example. When I worked with a somatic therapist and what I would have wanted to do, I would have wanted to turn the wheel. And so, the car would have passed me rather than hit me from behind. Well, of course, I was really hit, but the body didn't know it was over. And I had a lot of reactions of kind of being afraid to turn my head to the back, to look behind me. So, when I was able to work with a somatic-based therapist who knew trim, I was able to actually do in the present moment what I wanted to do then but couldn't, which was turn the wheel. I just did it, you know, um, in a in a kind of almost, it's not role playing, it's real playing. And then I had the experience of the car going past me and my whole body shuddered and started shaking, but shaking to release it. We even have colloquisms, right, in our, in our language that's called um, shake it out. And that's what my body did. And I felt a complete healing of that experience, even though it, had, it actually had happened to me. So that's why we call it trauma informed. And then and also resiliency informed is so important. And I'm, ask, I'm actually asking, adding something to that. Resiliency and compassion informed. And that's also, again, the education of the neuroscience of resiliency, but also is really trying to focus a bit on what is right with you? What are your strengths? And really having individuals really experience that within their body so that we move in this direction of from conventional thinking to that, oh, maybe I'm just a bad person to no, you suffered, something happened to you. And guess what? You can cultivate your, um, your self-compassion 
And I do believe that healing is possible because sometimes people don't believe in the possibility of that. And so I think there is a golden thread of compassion that comes through when we work with the body. Because we might say, oh, I'm a compassionate person. You may be compassionate to everyone in the world, but to yourself. And, you know, how many of us have beaten ourselves up and said, oh, no, I, you know, I'm just, I'm just a bad person. I can't do this. So, um, and I think, Jessica, you've seen in your clients as well, haven't you, a similar sort of response and, you know, what I'd like to do is when we get back from, we're going to break in just a couple minutes, is to maybe bring out one of, you know, the stories of where you see this profound change that happens. And what, what I also want to impart to those of you that are thinking about what we're talking about, you know, if you change your nervous system, or if you have a therapist that knows about a body-centered approach, I think that we can change the way we walk in the world of having more self-compassion and compassion for others. And one of the people that I admire, and um, I know you're going to ask me that question, Jessica, but I admire Mother Teresa um, because she said, um, if there wouldn't have been the one, there wouldn't have been the many. And to me, that has to do with that first person that she carried out of the gutter in Calcutta and took that person into the convent and ministered that person until they, they died. But after that, she ministered to so many people. So I think that um, I want to encourage all therapists to think about how they can become a, a, a body-centered therapist along with other models that they, they know and, and deliver. And for those of you that have had trauma, to really think about adding the body um, interventions to the kinds of help that you're getting. So, Jessica, is there anything that's on your mind right now? And another question in the, in the, in right before we take our break that you would like to say? Um, I just, I think it's so important to include the body. That's the missing piece on so many treatment modalities that are out there right now. I've had people come to come to see me and they they feel like they get stuck or they can't move forward. And, and after we do some body work and integrate the body and sensation into the, into our, our work, um, it, it's life changing. And it's so important and it's empowering too for the, for the individual to sense into their body. And isn't it that, that see what it's capable of? Yeah, that people didn't think it was possible for them to experience their body in a different way. Yeah. So um, we'll Jessica and I will be talking more um, together, and she's going to tell us some. Um, she's going to share with us some of her ideas also about working as a clinician with the trauma resiliency model when we come back from the break. But I, Jessica, thank you so much for being with me today, and we will have more of this discussion about the trauma resiliency model when we come back, and we will continue to discuss some of the elements of the foundations of the model that also may help you understand it a little bit better and how this approach may be very empowering for those of you that have strugg- struggled with what I call mental health challenges. So we will be back in just a moment with um, with more from Jessica Karras and from me, which I would love to talk about the trauma resiliency model, I think, as you may notice, and we'll talk more about it. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. The Trauma Resource Institute is a nonprofit organization cultivating trauma informed and resiliency focused individuals and communities worldwide. Our mission is to take people from despair to hope 
We believe in a world where every child and adult has the capacity to recover from highly stressful and traumatic experiences. Check out iChill, our free app that helps you learn the wellness skills of the community and trauma resiliency models. Go to traumaresourceinstitute.com for more information. Elaine Miller-Karras' book, Building Resiliency to Trauma, The Trauma and Community Resiliency Models, is available on Amazon.com. The book is about how to cultivate resiliency during and in the aftermath of traumatic experiences. The book also addresses body-based trauma interventions combined with psychoeducation about the biology of trauma and resiliency. Elaine also offers personal consultations. For more information, you can contact her at elaine at resiliencywithin.com. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Elaine Miller-Karras co-founded the Trauma Resource Institute, Incorporated. The Institute provides trainings on the models Elaine developed, the Community Resiliency Model, or CRM, and the Trauma Resiliency Model, or TRM. If you would like more information about the Trauma Resource Institute or how to participate in trainings, visit the Institute's website at traumaresourceinstitute.com. That's traumaresourceinstitute.com. Trauma Resource Institute. Build resilience. Awaken hope. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Resiliency Within with Elaine miller Karras. To reach the show during our live broadcast, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to elaine at resiliencywithin.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. This is Elaine Miller-Karras, and I am with Jessica Karras-Waterson, psychotherapist who has been interviewing me today about the trauma resiliency model. But of course, I'm going to interview her a little bit right now because I she has been a, I think you've been a trim practitioner for over nine years, Jessica. And so can you maybe give us a little bit of insight from your perspective um, I know that you've shared before the break of how important working with the body is, but can you give us and maybe illuminate us a little bit more about why you as a therapist think this is so important? And maybe even with a okay. story or two. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think that, like I said before, there, there's people that have gone to, to traditional talk therapy their whole life or for years, and they feel like they get to a certain point. And it doesn't progress any further or like maybe something's missing and I'm not bashing talk therapy because I do talk therapy as well. But what's so great about trim is that you can interweave it into what you're already doing. So if you do talk therapy, if you're doing cognitive behavioral therapy as a clinician, you can integrate trim into this. And um, what I've seen through when people come to see me is that at first uh, the language of sensation, right? That can feel really weird. It's a whole different way of speaking, 
um, to check in and actually, when we ask people, what are you noticing in your body right now? They might say, I I don't know, what do you mean? So if someone's saying, um, I feel sad, I would say, where do you notice that sadness in your body? Where does that sadness live? And they might tell me, you know, in my stomach. And then we would work with that. I'd ask, is it unpleasant, pleasant, or neutral? And if it's unpleasant, we would work with with that because as we know, energy from traumatic events can become stuck in the body, in the nervous system. And so TRIM has really allowed me the framework and the, and the tools and the skills to really help people not only understand the biology to trauma and how it affects their body, but also it, it, it helps me tease out that, that trauma from the nervous system. And it helps me help that person get back into their resilient zone or into a more regulated state. Um, and it also, what's so great is the six skills, as you already said, is the community resiliency model. But you can teach your clients these first six skills, and they they can leave after one session and have tools that are that they can use. And they come back up at the second session and say, I, I actually use that skill of grounding. And it really helped. It sounded so simple when you were explaining it to me. Um, but I... But I used it, and and grounding is one of our skills in trim where and crim, where you just pay attention to your body in the present moment, making contact with the surface. And there's so many different ways that you can ground. You can ground through lying down. You can ground through your hands. You can ground through sitting. And this is really just a time where you're not thinking about the future. You're not thinking about the past. You're thinking about your body and sensing into your body in the present moment. And that can be enough to override sensations or feelings of, of anxiety. And that's just one of the skills of the model. Um, so I have seen people come in and their body has looked so tight when they first started seeing me. And the more we worked with helping them release that energy from their body that was stuck, you literally see their whole body just shift and so, loosen up. So Jessica, when you say, um, you know, you help people, you know, get unstuck and you talked about grounding, can you talk a little bit about the, you know, the the three skills like pendulation and survival responses? How does that help the person? I mean, there's there's nine skills altogether. Of course, we don't have time to tell you all in the, the hour show, but I think that when you when you just talked about how people sometimes come in and they're so contracted with tension and some of those reprocessing skills can are so helpful. Can you give an example of like the completing of survival responses, for example? Yeah, yeah, of course. So the last, the, the three reprocessing skills, we have titration, pendulation, and a completion of survival responses. And I've had lots of different examples that I can use, but if I had to use one, um, I, there was uh, one female who came to see me and she had a lot of childhood trauma from an overly intrusive uh, mother. And um, a lot of our work was about, about her mother and how her mother um, was always there. Her mother was everything. It was just always a mess talking about her mother and how abusive the mother was with her words and just how her mother was never there, never showed up. So I, would, I, would, I, asked, I asked her, I said, as you're telling me about your mother right now, what are you noticing in your body, your body? And she said, I just, I feel so angry. I just feel so angry everywhere. And I said, well, okay. And it, where do you notice the anger? I just, I notice it I, everywhere, but I just, I just want to, just want to, just wanted to 
to hit her in that moment. And I said, okay, is there anything that your body wants to do right now? Are there any movements? So I saw your arm just do that. And, and she was like, yes, I just want to do that. I just want to, I just want to hit. I'm like, okay, I'm going to invite you just to, to make that movement of hitting your arm and just let it, just let your body do what it needs to do. Let it move the way it needs to move. And, um, she just was doing it. And initially, so like initially it was moving, kind of moving your hand back and forth. Yes. It was like an elbow hit. An elbow. Okay. Like an elbow. She wanted to just hit. And so I just let, I, I invited her to move her arm, however it needed to move. And it just, eventually it was going fast at first and then it just slowed down. And then you could just see the body slowly just kind of melt back down. And then there's this big, deep parasympathetic breath, which is connected to our rest and digest system of knowing that we're coming back into our resilience zone, which is what we teach in trim and crim, which is a more regulated state of well-being where you feel like you can manage what life throws at you. So then so, I said, just... Yes. I said, just notice what's happening in your body now. And she took a deep breath. She said, I feel so much better. I just, I've always just wanted to either push her away or just hit her. Even though I would never hit her, I just, I just feel so much better. You know, I think what you're pointing out about the model is, is we're giving the body um, a platform, giving the body the space to finish maybe movements that they couldn't make at the time because they were too little. But it's not about, I want really to underscore for our listeners, it's not about that we're encouraging people to be violent towards someone. We're helping the body release something that got stuck on the inside by making movements that are really coming from parts of our brain that were about our survival, that that were, that were blocked, that couldn't get out. So what Jesse is Jessica's really describing is those release sensations that help the body come back into equilibrium. But, you know, when you say something like that, Jessica, what was the offshoot? Like when she came back, like the next week, was there a change in in your client? Did she notice that there was a change in her lived experience? Because I think this is also the gentleness of it is that paying attention and the invitation to do what the body would like to do. I would say that there was, it's kind of like an onion. Sometimes when you peel back the onion, there's like, there's something else. There's another layer. Yes. There's another layer. And there was lots of layers to this um, individual that I was working with. And I would say that she was a little less just mad because she was having trouble in her marriage even because she was just getting angry at everything. And she said that she fought less um, with her partner that week. Um, But then again, but then we also had more things to work through. And there was lots of, I mean, when I saw this particular client, there was a lot of completions that happened around this mother. Yeah. Of hers. So I think and, people to think it's going to be just one time and that, that there, like you said, there's, there's the, the peeling of the onion. And also this is something that's really important because when we have stuck energy, you're saying it, it, it impacted her emotional expressions. So she was angry at her husband a lot. Sometimes that also gets conveyed to the workplace. So it's not benign that people get things, that this energy gets stuck in the body that needs to be released. And so we see those patterns change. And the thing that Jessica said that's so important, she invited her to notice the change. Because when you notice the change, that's part of what the model is built upon, is that um, that neuroscience um, theory about 
brain cells that are firing together are wiring together. So we're actually changing the implicit memory a capsule, so to speak, of something that happened to her. Yes, it did happen to her, but she's changing in this present moment what her body wants to do. And that kind of brings me to uh, the next aspect, Jessica, about the models based on biology versus mental weakness. Because people like your clients start thinking, oh, there's just something wrong with me. I'm always fired up. you know. And so we have seen all over the world that there are common reactions to stressful and traumatic events that not only affect the mind and body, but also affect the spirit as well. And so there's, you know, there's kind of six domains of human, of human existence, what we think, how we feel, what's happening in our body, our spirituality, the behaviors, like Jessica was saying about um, the anger towards the um, partner, and also, and how that impacts relationships. And what we've seen when we've gone around the world is that people pretty much say the same thing about common reactions. And they haven't known a way out, like Jessica said, about that missing piece. And that's why we say the model's based on laws of nature that there's natural rhythms that exist in our nervous system as well as exist um, outside in nature. There are different seasons, for example. But if we've had a lot of this trauma, like you said, Jessica, was in her stomach and she was so tight, that those sensations of discomfort and pain become patterned inside of our, our bodies. And we sometimes go to chiropractors, we go to massage therapist to get that out. And maybe it will be released for a while and we'll feel better. But even people that I know that are our body workers that are therapists often will come to our trainings to learn what we do because they know that there's an element that that can also help their clients. So I think that's another important piece to this. And that, you know, the, the elements of the trauma resiliency model, you know, are also, um, we have cousins in other somatic therapies. And I wanted to just to call out Judith Herman's um, um, work. Um, and she wrote a book that I read many um, years ago that I'm forgetting the name of it at this moment, but um, I'll make sure the listeners know. But her book, when I first read it, talked about survival responses. And she talked about women who had been you know, victimized by sexual assault or, or um, intimate partner violence and how important it was that it was also held um, in, in the body as well. Um, and when we think about other elements of what the model is based upon, it's also neuroplasticity. Because if you feel trapped by what you've, you, your experiences of what's inside of your body and what you think, those of you that have had a lot of trauma, it's really important to know that, you know, the brain can change. There's a concept called neuroplasticity. And it means the brain can change. And to me, this is such hope. And there's also something called neurogenesis. And neurogenesis is the ability to create new neurons and connections between neurons throughout the lifetime. And that's also integrated into our knowledge of how we work with people. But I think one of the things that hit me the most, and Jessica, I think you're, you, we both have seen this, is that we talk about the biological basis of threat and fear. So when, Jessica, when you talked about this, this, this woman, she lived in an experience of threat and fear during her childhood. And sadly, you know, we're talking about Mother's Day, but we're also talking about mental health awareness is that sometimes the people who cared for us also did not treat us in the best way. And so we, they, there's studies that have shown, and I wanted to highlight the Minds Your Heart study, that they studied 178 individuals um, who had full um, diagnosis of PTSD. 
PTSD. And what they found was that people who had post-traumatic stress disorder scored significantly worse on processing speed, category fluency, verbal learning, and verbal recognition than those without PTSD. So what they concluded that was that there was significant poor performance in several domains of cognitive function, particularly in tests involving processing speed and executive function. You know, executive function are decision-making. And so if we're stuck in these, in these um, trauma symptoms from, and have post-traumatic stress, I like to call it injury, because I believe you can heal from it, know that there's something that happened to you biologically. And it doesn't mean you're mentally weak or you have, you're pathological. It means something happened to you. And that with this, this foundational information that we integrate in, into TRIM, that you can have a different lived experience because we focus on also the anatomy and physiology, the structures of body parts and relationships to one another, you know, the physiology of, of um, the different hormones that are released in your system. For instance, cortisol that can get stuck. It's, it's there for short acting. But if it gets stuck, then that can compromise our immune system. So we um, in TRIM observe the, and have knowledge of the patterns of the nervous system. And we help the, the clients, um, our clients tell the difference um, between sensations of distress and well-being that, you, that I think our listeners have, if you've listened to other shows, have heard me say this before. But you mentioned it, Jessica, when if that person has an elevated heart rate, they're feeling tense and tight all the time. How do we help them access their parasympathetic nervous system where they take that deeper breath. And even though this system, this autonomic nervous system of the sympathetic and the, and the parasympathetic, they, it, it's called automatic because it happens without thinking. It doesn't mean that we can't evoke a, per, a perhaps a parasympathetic response by the certain skill, by the skills of the trauma resiliency model. So I kind of want to stop it at this point, Jessica, and see the time is quickly slipping away. This is giving our our listeners a little bit of an idea of what the model is based on. There's more to it as well um, in terms of uh, gene. Well, let me just go a little bit further. There's a sensory integration theory that I read the work of Dr. Jean Ayers, and she provides foundational knowledge about how the body receives information to, for nervous system stabilization. And she came out when Jessica talked about grounding, how gravitational security was really important for us to sense safety in the present moment. So if we, some people that have had trauma always feel like they're floating. So if this has been your experience, sometimes just even putting a heavy pillow or blanket on your lap can make you feel more grounded to the present moment. And remember that you can go to our iChill app that has those those skills of well-being. But there's also focusing. And uh, Eugene Genlin came up with the idea of the felt sense. And this is at the core of the trauma resiliency model. And that means that every thought and feeling and experience that we have also has a corresponding sensation in the body. So for example, if we feel happiness or if we feel uh, love or anger, there's 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 an there's an action, there's a, um, a increase in sensation in our body. Now, if we ask that question, what was the question again, Jessica? Is it pleasant, unpleasant, unpleasant or neutral? Neutral. Perhaps the anger would be unpleasant, but we don't know. We'd have to ask. But we want to help people understand that it's not only what we think and feel, but what we sense. And that's where interceptive awareness becomes so important. This is being studied. It means our ability to observe body sensations in response to how we think, feel, and move. And when we become attuned to 
our sensations. Like when we go outside and it's hot, we may know that we're not going to wear a big old warm winter coat. Um, so we'll take off that. Uh, uh, we'll If it's warm, we will take that coat off or we'll know not to, to bring even the coat outside. So that's a behavior, right? We know not to wear the coat if we're warm. What's telling us we're warm? Our sensory system. We have billions of sensors that are giving us information all the time. And what we want to do with intention is bring more attention to our well-being because what researchers are finding is that body awareness can reduce impulsivity and promote emotion regulation and clear thinking. And that's another reason why in a neuroscientific perspective, it's very important. The other aspect of CRIM of trim is also um, solution-focused psychotherapy. I saw Insu Kimberg years ago. She's now passed. But she was the first one that I he- heard say that our clients know more about the solutions to their life than the therapist does. And that was kind of like revolutionary at the time, 30 years ago. You know, uh, many therapists spend years out in, in uh, classes learning interpretation of your experience. But what we have found is when we ask people, when they have that shift in the nervous system, and when, Jessica, when your client said to you, well, I'm not as angry, right? So Jessica didn't say, oh, you're not as angry, are you? That would be planting that with the therapist, with the client. We would say, oh, would it, what would be the words that you would use to try to elicit that, Jessica? Like, would what, you ask her about mean? meaning? That the person oh, has would- a shift? Yeah, yeah. When whenever that you kind of discharge or, or move around a lot of energy in the body, um, usually there's meanings that might come forward or new insights. So we would just say, "Are there any new meanings or insights coming forward for you right now, or not?" And the or so not the or not's important. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Because we don't want to assume that there are any new meanings. So it's really, and this is another reason why I think this is a very you know, client-centered approach. And I guess that's another, I think, for me, that's my feminist perspective, not to presume that I know all the answers that I, you know, when when Jessica was a little girl growing up, I would ask her, well, do you want to wear the red shirt or the blue shirt? Do you want to wear the shorts or the long pants? She always wanted to wear shorts because she was always hot. So whether it was cold outside or not, but that kind of solution focus becomes a very important part. So I'm going to pause there and, um, and let our listeners know that there's a, there's a lot more to share about the trauma resiliency model, but I think that gives you some of the key aspects of it. But I know that in the few moments, we have, we have a few minutes left that Jesse and I wanted to talk a, just a, a little bit, Jess. Um, do you want to say something you know, about being a mom right now to our guests? And I know that you've used elements of the, the wellness skills of the trauma resiliency model. So if you can say in a minute or more, like just some kind of parting information about why this is important for you as a mom, learning all this yeah. information as a therapist. Uh, it's, it's, I think, important for every, every mom to know about, about uh, A, the first six skills, of course, um, the, to regulate their nervous systems and to also track what's going on in your body as a parent, because throughout the day, you could be feeling all different sorts of emotions. And I think also being a working mom and, you know, I see all my clients from home and then my daughter's here and she might come in the room sometimes. I, I have to use the skills on myself uh, to stay in my zone because it can be a lot. 
um, it can definitely be a lot. And I think I just want to send my love to all the other mothers out there and fathers and uh, grandparents and anyone that has small kids in their home right now. It hasn't been easy. You could have the best kid in the world and it's not easy. So using these wellness skills, I really want to encourage everybody to to download, if you can, um, the app that can help guide you through these first six skills. And that hopefully they can be really helpful so that you can start to track more what's going on in your body so you can know when you need to bring in a skill or when you need to walk outside for some fresh air. And I just, I, I think it's just been really helpful. And just knowing that we can have certain reactions, like you and I, we can get in a fight we one can. second and we can and, and it, it happens and that's normal. And I think that um, we can understand that we may say things when we're in that fight that we don't mean. And that's, that's because we are out of our resilience zone. And we don't have to hold as much shame for maybe the things we said because we know we didn't mean them, but also we know that we say things we don't mean when we're out of our zone. And that's biological. That's that's just what happens when you go into a survival response or a survival mode. And um, I just want to say one more thing too is that something that you taught me, mom, that I passed down to my daughter that, and it's so cute when I hear her say it, is, is that um, human beings, the, the, the beautiful and wonderful thing about being human is being imperfect. And that's what makes us human. And then I added one little part to that because, you know, I love sci-fi is I added, we don't want to be robots. How boring would that be if we were all robots, right? So that imperfection piece, because there aren't really imperfect robots, right? So that imperfection <laughs> piece that makes us human is so important, I think, to, to teach our kids about. And um, that we're going to make mistakes. We're going to mess up. We're going to say things we don't mean. We're going to act in ways that maybe we regret. But that's part of the human experience. It's how do you come, and this is something else you taught me, how, how do you resolve that conflict? Or how do you resolve that problem that happened after the fact? How do you come together and mend? Well, you're so. certainly making my day that you did remember some of those things that I taught you. I did. <laughs> that's, that's I did. Good. Well, and I, I guess I say we're uh, perfectly imperfect. And so, and I also think that, you know, as a family, that we talk the language of the wellness skills that we've been talking about throughout the show. And that is Jessica goes, you know, mom, you're way out of your zone. Oh my gosh, you're right. You know, I'll do something to ground myself. I'll say the same thing back to her. Um, Or maybe we'll say, well, maybe one of us needs to take the dogs for a walk. So I think that integrating wellness skills is really important. And so I'm just going to reiterate the thing about the iChill app. But I also want you to know that um, I'm so proud of my daughter, Jessica, and she is, you know, as, as I, we said, a senior um, trainer for us at the Trauma Resource Institute, but she also has a private practice. So, Jess, if people wanted to ask you questions, too, about TRIM, you have a web page. Would you like to share with us the web page um, right now? Sure. It's uh, jessicacarislmft.com. So, Jessica and then carislmft.com. Great. So, you can get so a hold of Jessica. Um, through her website. You know that you can get a hold of me through Resiliency Within, Elaine at ResiliencyWithin.com. And I would like to thank our listeners for being, for being with us. We'll have more shows on the trauma um, resiliency model as we could see that this time went by really quickly. Um, people are interested. Go to you know, TraumaResourceInstitute.com, our sponsor. And I just want to um, remind you all, to pay attention to what else is true in your life as you go through your your week um, until we meet again. And next week, I'll have a really inspiring guest 
Clive uh, Corey from Northern Ireland, who will talk about um, what inspired him as a result of this death of his wife. And he's one of the leaders in bringing healing to the world. So until we meet again, remember what else is true. Thank you. Thank you, Jessica, for coming in. Thank you so much for joining us this week for Resiliency Within. Please tune in again next Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Elaine miller Karras on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk again soon. Resiliency Within, with host Elaine miller Karras is brought to you by Trauma Resource Institute, Incorporated. Visit TraumaResourceInstitute.com.